Jonathan Wakefield is a brewmaster and founder of Miami's renowned Jay Wakefield Brewing. Now he's opening up his internationally acclaimed tap room at Sirius XM Business Radio for an intimate look at the intersection of craft beer and popular culture. So pull up a chair, have a round on us, then join the conversation on the business of brewing. This is the Beer Hour with Jonathan Wakefield on Sirius XM Business Radio. Hi, I'm Jonathan Wakefield, and this is the Beer Hour on Sirius XM Business Radio 132. Each week, we introduce you to the movers and shakers of the craft beer industry, as well as beer lovers from other realms of popular culture. As always, I'm here in the taproom with my co-host, our head brewer, Maria Cabre. Hello, Maria. Hi, John. Our next guest is the brewmaster for one of the country's most decorated breweries and a tremendous source of pride for the city that they have served for over 30 years. Their beer lineup reads like a who's who of Great American Beer Festival Award and World Championship winners. One of these award-winning beers is considered by many to be the best holiday beer in the country. Great Lakes Brewing Company's Christmas Ale. Welcome to the Beer Hour, Mark Hunger. How are you doing this morning? Good. How are you? Very well. Very well. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Um, no problem. We had, it's, it's definitely a pleasure. You guys are definitely one of the OGs in the game, and uh, we're very happy to have you guys on. So I, I'm going to jump in. Great Lakes has to be considered one of the OGs of the craft beer industry. I guess the story goes that Cleveland's last production brewery, Schmitz, closed in the early 80s, and two Irish brothers, Pat and Dan Conway, hired a master brewer, an engineer who had worked at Schmitz, to build a very different kind of brewery. What happened next? Um, you know, that's a very interesting story because I actually, uh, when I started working at Great Lakes in the late 90s, I got to know that individual. Uh, great, great guy. Uh, Schmitz, uh, so they closed up in 84, uh, and he was basically selling off the equipment from that old brewery and, uh, Pat and Dan Conway, they did not, um, they wanted to open a brewery, but they didn't know the intricate details of it. So they looked him up and, uh, he helped out quite a bit and they were able to open the brewery back in, uh, 88, uh, with Thane Johnson with a lot of his help and knowledge because Pat and Dan, they hadn't brewed a beer before. So they didn't really know. <laughs> right. Uh, they just knew that it was going to be a, a great thing to get into. And uh, they wanted to make some good beer. So they uh, looked up the right people. Nice. So you guys have been open since 88? 1988. Wow. That's yeah. awesome, man. You guys have uh, made a lot, a lot, a lot of history and a lot of great beers ever since 88 for sure. Can yep. you describe cleveland's ohio city neighborhood to our listeners who may not have been there or live around there ohio city neighborhood is a, a it, it's really a, a neat neighborhood um you know back in the day uh cleveland was huge in the steel and the steel mills were just uh down the road in the valley and basically the legend is that most of the uh, you know upper people of the, the steel industry lived in Ohio city. And there's a lot of, uh, uh, there's a lot of nice Victorian homes and, uh, you know, back in the seventies and eighties, it was pretty beat up, pretty run down. And, uh, Pat and Dan, um, and great lakes were some of the first people to, to move in here and set up shop and, and do something new and exciting. And really were the, the starter to, uh, re this area. Uh, so there's a lot of homes that have been redone and a lot of, uh, newer structures, uh, put up and a lot of people are living here. So it's, uh, got a lot of excitement and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun to be a part of. That's awesome. I mean, th there is somewhat of a comparison then between us and you guys, obviously you guys did it in the eighties, us like in the later two thousands here, because when I moved in in Wynwood, this place, there was nothing here. I mean, and over the course of the seven years, I mean, they've dumped a lot of money into this neighborhood. And now we got apartment buildings, you know, high rise, you know, living and high end restaurants versus what it was with just a, a solo coffee shop, one bar next to me, 10 art galleries and a crap beer you know, business. Yeah. But now it's completely changed. It's it's pretty funny what I think that a great craft brewery can do for a neighborhood. You know what I mean? It yeah. definitely can help it uh, move forward. It's definitely fun to be a part of. Absolutely. So we, we actually had a Cleveland native son, you know, Chef Michael Simon on the show, and he mentioned that your beers helped open his eyes to what beer could be. 
did it help Great Lakes upward trajectory that Cleveland was emerging as a food city in the 90s and that people's tastes were kind of evolving at that time as well? You know, I think those obviously go hand in hand. Uh, when people go uh, to good restaurants and, and look towards good food, uh, usually there's a drink that goes along with that, um, um, you know, whether it be beer, wine, spirits, whatever. Um, but uh, and I think uh, we we're able to grow with that. Um, I've never really, really thought of that, but Cleveland is a big foodie town. But and, uh, you know, good beer goes along with that. So I, I think we've gone grown hand in hand for sure. I mean, I, I think it's always great to have great food and great beer. And it definitely, you know, when you have that kind of upward trajectory, obviously, I think around that time would have been like the major kickback in for for craft beer, you know, like in the in the mid 90s there. And then as food as well, especially with like the Food Network and, and Chef Michael Simon, I probably all just helped bring Cleveland up. But um, you got like the names of your beers, Elliot Ness Amber Lager, Burning River Pale Ale, Ohio City Oatmeal Stout, Lake Erie Monster Imperial IPA, Commodore Perry IPA. Like there's no mistaking where the beers that you brew are from. From the beginning, it seems that Great Lakes Brewing Company has been all about repping the land. Can you describe right. what the success of Great Lakes Brewing has meant to the city of Cleveland? Um, I think it's a, a big part uh, of the city. Um, you know, we've had uh, it, it. You know, you're you know you're significant. You know, you're a part of the city when, for instance, uh, there's big sports games uh, happen. Whether you know we're in the World Series or whatnot, and the mayors are you know they'll always do their. Uh, a bet with each other <laughs> and the Cleveland mayor uh, will usually bet a case of uh, Dortmunder or Christmas ale uh, <laughs> that we're going to win the game. And then, you know, the mayor from whatever town, whatever right. town it is, will do something else. So uh, I always look at that and that's happened many times uh, where they'll bet a case of Christmas ale that the Cavs or the Browns or the Indians will win. So that's, it's kind of fun. We can go a little sports here. I mean, what's your thoughts on the Browns this year? Where, where are we at with Baker Mayfield? <laughs> I, you know, to throw it out there, I am a, a diehard Browns fan. So okay. I like the I, – I must like the punishment. Um, but uh, <laughs> most most people in Cleveland are, are diehard sports fans. But the Browns this year, you know, they're struggling. Um, we're, we're hoping for a strong finish. Uh, I think the bye week was at uh, the perfect time uh, because a lot of the guys are beat up. But uh, this weekend will be a uh, tail of the tape, I think. It'll Absolutely. Sort of give it are they serving – are you guys serving Great Lakes Brewing inside of the stadiums and stuff as well? Absolutely. Um, we uh, serve uh, – We our beer is at the, the Brown Stadium. Uh, we are the craft beer of uh, – well, now the Cleveland Guardians. Uh, oh, right, the yes. Cleveland yeah. <laughs> we yeah. are the official craft beer. So, yes, uh, it is a good venue for our products, and uh, you can always find our beer there. That is amazing. So I, I read that you guys still use the original seven-barrel brewing system to brew pub-exclusive brews. Tell us about that setup and the capabilities, and, and where is that seven-barrel system? Is it still in the in the current existing, and like, what is your – larger production size right now so our current our our original seven barrel brew house is still in the exact same spot that it was placed in 1988 wow uh, in the middle of our dining room uh in our pub restaurant uh it is still totally active totally functional uh we use it a couple times a month um it was designed on sort of back of the napkin by uh, Fane Johnson, who I mentioned earlier. Right. Um, came in, and like I said, uh, Pat and Dan Conway, the owners, didn't really know how to design a brew house. Nobody, um, you know, was still in the infancy of people making systems like that. So they sort of designed it on back of the napkin. Uh, <laughs> it's still fully functional. We make uh, exclusive beers, uh, mostly. Um, you know, beers that we just make for the pub and we do a little R and D there as well. And, and stuff like that. Uh, moving on, um, we sort of had an intermediate brew house, a 30 barrel brew house, uh, uh, after that in, uh, early nineties to the late nineties, uh, to about 2000, uh, that was sold off after we acquired a building right across the street. 
Um, it was actually an old brewery back in the 1800s, Schlather Brewing Company, and we installed a 75-barrel brew house wow. uh, okay. there. Um, that is uh, our production plant. Uh, we're currently, uh, mostly due to Christmas ale, we are brewing 24-7. Uh, we can do uh, start a brew every three hours, so we do about eight brews a day. Uh, <laughs> You guys are killing it, man. That is amazing. Yeah. What kind of what kind of brew what kind of uh what kind of seventy five barrel brew system is it? Is it a Rolex or is it a uh no, it was originally a Mueller, okay. um, which is a company out of Springfield, Missouri. Right. Uh they're big in the dairy industry, they're big yes. into beer as well. Um we've had a lot of work done at, on it since then to um you know, make it more efficient uh and produce more beer, obviously. So uh, we had that installed right around 2000-ish. So okay. it's been about 21 years. Wow. How many barrels of production are you guys doing a year now? Um, we're sort of, this year, uh, we should, well, it's obviously not the end of the year yet. Um, it's still sort of up in the air what we're going to finish at this year. But uh, a couple of years, a year or two ago, a few years ago, we topped out at 165,000. Oh, wow. Wow. Out of the brew house. That's 165,000 uh, brewed. Um, obviously, <laughs> package is a little less. A little less, obviously, um, with loss. Yeah. With the pandemic and all that, um, you know, those numbers have changed a little bit. We're fluttering a little lower than that right. uh, this year, but uh, we'll see what the numbers turn out. Nice. So, you guys. I mean, were you greatly impacted by, by the pandemic? I mean, how did that um, affect you guys? It, it really, uh, uh, when it, everything first went down, draft is uh, 30 plus percent oh, or was wow. right. 30 plus percent of our production. Yep. So overnight in early 2000, draft got turned off. Whew. So yeah, that was like a sucker punch in the face. Yes. I, I felt that too. We felt that here immensely as well. Cause we were, <laughs> I think we were 40% draft. So to not have right. that was a huge blow. Absolutely. So we had to do an about face and, uh, you know, try and put as much in package as possible, but you can only react so fast. Oh no, I, I agree with that. So did you guys shift to a hundred percent package then? And then, uh, well, we were forced to, right. And uh, you didn't, we didn't have a single keg go out for, I don't know, six months wow. or more. Wow. So, yeah, we were forced to. Wow. Um, we had, and that whole thing happened in Ohio at the absolute worst time. Um, they shut everything down uh, a few days before St. Patrick's Day. Here. Oh, okay. So, if you could only imagine, yep. uh, for anybody who's been in Cleveland during St. Patrick's Day, <laughs> uh, we have we're up there in one of the largest parades behind Chicago, New York. Yep. Um, it if it happens to land on a Saturday, it's an absolute and nice weather. It's an absolute madhouse. Um, it's one of our biggest days of the year. It's one of the biggest draft days of the year in Northern Ohio. Um, we had massive these restaurants and bars were there. Coolers were packed with kegs that then went expired. Right. Um, so it was, a, it was a perfect storm. It was a really a bad time. Wow. So, but I, obviously you guys are working back out of that now. Are you guys getting yes. back to those original numbers of that 30%? We are. Um, it's uh, actually surprised some of our sales uh, recently towards the end of this year, how much that it has bounced back. So, we are uh, we are definitely on an upward trend here, uh, and it's looking good. That's awesome. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll back to the beers. Uh, so Dortmunder Gold Lager was really the beer that started the whole thing rolling. It's a 16 time yeah. medal winner in World Beer Championships and a GA, GABF gold medal winner back in 1990. I'm guessing that it's more popular than than ever now, given that loggers are having their momentum. You know, like the moment in the sun. What have yeah. you noticed about the trends since you have been brewing? and what your company's philosophy on following them or not, you know, what, what does that look like? You know, we definitely, uh, or I, uh, I'm a lager guy myself personally. Um, definitely seen a trend with lagers. We've always been a lager brewery. Um, like you said, Dortmunder started off along with Elliot Ness. Um, we were a lager brewery, which is, un, it's sort of not seen as much in the craft world. Oh, um, I know. The bigger, 
you know, there's some craft producers out there, you know, mostly in Wisconsin, stuff like that, <laughs> um, who produce a lot of lagers for, for good reason with the German population up there. But if you look at the big uh, craft breweries, they're very ale centric. Uh, we're one of the more unusual ones, uh, you know, in the top whatever breweries uh, that make lagers, uh, enjoy making lagers, and, and I think do it very well. And with that re- uh, sort of resurgence of lagers, um, uh, we're definitely seeing that. And, um, you know, people are like, these guys have made it for years uh, and they're doing it right. So <laughs> it's it's good to see. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think we're seeing <laughs> – a like a resurgence in loggers i mean like i don't think you know when we started you know as a smaller company it was like for us to have the idea of putting loggers in was kind of tough because the tank time and turning tanks and revenue and stuff sure. like that but then as we grew and grew and put more and more tanks we made it a, a point to actually start making loggers i think we're making more loggers now than we ever have before and people are drinking awesome. drinking them by you know like the truckload which is amazing so i think we're definitely seeing that swing back to loggers which i think is a great thing you know back yeah. to back to actually drinking real beer <laughs> yeah i love i love brewing loggers i'd rather brew all loggers than ales uh we have a proprietary lager yeast great lakes lager yeast that wow. um okay. that only we use obviously um and you can pretty much set your watch to it um I love brewing with it. Uh, it has some um, uh, pretty unique, well, not unique, but uh, particular characteristics, and it's just a great yeast to use, I think. That's amazing. So did you guys, was that, I mean, just brought up through the brewery? I mean, or where did you guys harvest or find that, that lager strain from? Um, in the early years of Great Lakes, um, there's a uh, Siebel Institute in uh, Chicago, yep. uh, brewing yep. school, old-time brewing school. I'm sure you probably know of it. Yep. Um, they had a library of, um, of different yeasts, uh, in their, in their, uh, micro lab. And this was a yeast that nobody was using. And, uh, we tried it out. We liked it and we knew that nobody was using it. Uh, so we made it, a uh, paid to have them, uh, store it away, uh, from a proprietary standpoint. And, um, we started using it and nobody else can have it. So, You're listening to the Beer Hour, and we're speaking to brewmaster Mark Hunger of Great Lakes Brewing. So besides the lagers, I mean, do you guys dive into any stouts, any barley wines? I mean, do you guys tend to go into those routes? I mean, for the very, like, smaller, like, batch stuff, or do you guys kind of stay away from that stuff, you think? Oh, absolutely. We're probably, uh, I'd like to say that we're probably one of the more diverse breweries out there. Uh, We obviously have... Uh, our lagers, but we've got a lot of ales. We're, we are uh, becoming the number one IPA uh, brewer in, uh, in Ohio. Uh, oh, wow. So we, we produce uh, a lot of IPAs. Uh, we have a, a, a stout called Blackout Stout. Yep, Russian I know Blackout stout. stout. Yes, I do. Uh, we, we barrel age that quite yep. a bit, and that's a good seller. Yep. Uh, obviously, our Christmas ale is a, a big ale that is obviously very popular. Uh, we have some uh, wheat beers that we make, uh, Crushworthy. It's a yes. locale citrus wheat. Um, we've made a Belgian wheat beer for a while. Yep. Um, we don't really have that in production right now, but we've we've uh, we've experimented and gone many different directions. Actually, I have to say, your the barrel aged blackout stout is probably one of my favorites. You know, it's it's a great great beer to say the least. Yeah. Um, one of the things that was important to your founders, Pat and Dan, was freshness. You, you've had drink-by dates on your beer since the beginning, and they've shipped yep. their beer on ice and gave clients refrigerators in the beginning. Why has that commitment to freshness been so important to you guys? You know, it's super important um, because uh, sometimes uh, people have this think that beer is indestructible, and it's not. <laughs> um, And it's so not, and there's so many people that will call me up and say, well, it's good until March 1st. When's it, when is it really good until, and I have people (laughs) call me up and ask me that I'm like, it's good until March 1st. Um, I've, uh, when I, uh, started working at the brewery here, I started in the lab and, um, you know, at one point all of our beer had, had one, uh, expiration date or, or uh, shelf life on it. But over the years, uh, through taste panels and experimentation, 
um, each beer ages differently. Yes. So we've put different dates on different, uh, you know, stouts are going to hold up uh, better than a, a real hoppy IPA. Yes. <laughs> uh, and that education is, is sometimes kind of tough, uh, but uh, we've done our very best. And because, because beer gets old and, and six months into it, a beer, it doesn't, like, it doesn't it, taste good. No, it doesn't taste the same. No, but I mean, it's, it's it, funny because like, Nowadays with untapped and stuff like that, you know, there'll be times when I'm in the tap room or, or working with Maria and we'll get like a notification on untapped, like somebody opening a an eight month old hazy, hazy IPA. IPA. Oh, like, the hops yeah. fell off. <laughs> and we're just like, well, what like, did you think was going to happen? Like, right, um, right. Yeah. Well, the, like the shelf life really stability, like the best freshness was like 30 days. Now you've waited eight months. I mean, like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, why are you doing that? I know. And it's such a difficult thing to get across sometimes. Yep. Um, we have, uh, we have 90 days on, on yes. our IPAs. Yes. Some of them is a stretch. Yep. Um, but I tell you, I've had, I've had, uh, you know, brewers come in, uh, to the pub and have a beer with me and they'd be like, I'd like to shake your hand and congratulate you. And I'm like, for what, for having 90 days, you know, having, uh, a reasonable shelf life on, yep some of the beers that do not last as long as a lot of people say they do. Uh, because there's a lot of brewers, uh, when I say brewers, guys who are actually making the beer, yeah. who are under a lot of pressure to put, you know, long dates on their beer. They yes. just don't cut it. Yeah, 120 days, you know, that four, five, six months. Yeah, the, the beers, the IPA will be fine till then. We've always been set from the beginning, even with our distributor when he started out, like when they ask you, hey, what's shelf life? We were like 90 days max. That's it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anything beyond that, the beer is not what it was meant to be or to taste right. like. So right. exactly. it's definitely a stretch for sure. So and, and go ahead. You're, you're living in a fantasy world if you think your beer is going to be babied and coddled in the marketplace. No, absolutely not. I mean, that's like, you know, I, I mean, I've been subject to it like some of the like holding a barrel aged blackout stout, you know, in my cellar for like a year or two. And then like, yeah, this is, you know, but doing with purpose obviously i know because you know obviously i have a long run and a long history in craft beer that the beer is, is going to change in like a wine and, and have different nuances as it grows but i never held on to ipas or anything else thinking that this was going to be so much better than what it was like coming off the draft right. line or, or straight out of the canning line so i right. mean it's definitely i think we could as an industry we could kind of work towards maybe educating more people to like know about this but uh, go ahead. Also, not leave it in your car. Please don't hot, leave it in a hot car. Hot yes, Florida yes. weather. You know, people are like, "Well, you know." Oh, uh, temperature and time have a lot to do with it. Absolutely. So it's it's Christmas time. You know, here. You know, in in about two weeks. You know, we're two weeks away from Christmas. And Great Lakes Brews, yeah. one of the country's most beloved holiday beers. Let's you know. Let's talk Christmas ale. Seven point five percent ABV. Spiced with fresh honey, cinnamon, ginger flavors. It is a six-time World Beer Championship medal winner. At your first pour release event during the last week of October each year, you go through 70 kegs. Holy crap. In one day, why do you think that this beer is so popular, and how do you meet the demand for it every year? You know, it's popular. Uh, First of all, uh, we were or at least one of the first people to put out a beer like this. Yep. Uh, back in 92 or so. Um, there might have been some others, but I think we we're really the first one on the map with a sort of spiced amber ale. Uh, second of all, um, it's it's a beer that every beer drinker can drink. Um, it's not holding a bowl of potpourri to your face. Uh, it's not overpowering. Um, we use ginger, cinnamon, and honey, but in, uh, I don't want to, well, I would say moderation. You can taste it, you can get it, but it's not overpowering. Right. This is a beer that a Bud Light drinker can sit down and enjoy, but it's also a beer that, you know, a double IPA drinker or something like that can sit down and enjoy. So it, it, it follows that middle road, I think. And it's, uh, it's a very smooth beer uh, and it's very, um, it's very easy to drink really. That's amazing. Um, I mean, 70 kegs in 11 one day. 11 and a half barrels. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. We'll through, obviously, 30-some barrels of beer on first pour. 
that's uh, the crazy. pandemic, you know, sort of put a kibosh on, on some of those numbers, but you know, pre pandemic, they would be pouring a pint of Christmas sale like every five seconds for like 12 hours. <laughs> that's crazy. That's not to mention we have, that's not to mention we have 10 other beers on tap. That's amazing. That's just Christmas sale. Wow. I want some of this Christmas sale. I uh, know we're going to have to, well, that and black barrel aged blackout. Yeah. Down. <laughs> <laughs> we also barrel aged some Christmas sale. Oh too. boy. Yeah. Oh boy. Here we go. All right. So I'm definitely going to have to get with you about having to get some beer from you man so it's, how it's been a while how much christmas ale do you guys produce every every christmas season or um this year out of the brew house we, we produced uh we actually brewed out of the brew house about twenty four thousand five hundred barrels what <laughs> i thought you wow i thought we could say That's like 20 2400 i was like 24,000 oh my god 24,000 we did 362 brews uh of christmas ale so, times hold, that by 75 i think it's about 24,000 barrels so let's uh i can do the math for you real quick no. so if you did 24,000 barrels 31 gallons you're at like 744,000 gallons it is 27,000 my bad all right so even if we did 27,000 31 i mean you're 837 gallons 837,000 gallons of christmas ale that is amazing that is awesome man (laughs) that is great so according to linkedin actually you've been with great lakes brewing company for 25 years what makes it such a great company to work for you know it's the culture um first of all the industry the industry is is a great industry to be a part of uh second of all um you know the the culture of great lakes uh pat and dan the owners um you know not only do you know them as owners but you know them as a friend uh you know they'll sit down and have a beer with you as well as anybody else who works at the brewery uh after a long days of work um so it's just enjoyable to to come to work and um and then some of the we make great beer uh and we're all uh everybody that works here is very proud of that and looks forward to coming to work every day that's amazing that's amazing plus it's in cleveland right (laughs) right (laughs) exactly so mark i really want to thank you for coming on the show it's been an absolute pleasure and uh and thank you very much thank you very much yes no problem thanks for having me it was fun thanks brother thank you yep You're listening to The Beer Hour with Jonathan Wakefield. Conversations on the business of brewing and popular culture. Our next guest is a sales and marketing manager at Cooper's DIY, based in Tucson, Arizona. He's the face of a product that changed my life when I received it for a Christmas gift back in 2005. The Mr. Beer Home Brewing Kit started my journey as a brewer. Mr. Beer was founded in 1993 in Dallas, Texas, and was sold to a Tucson businessman in 1999. It was acquired by the largest Australian-owned brewery, Cooper's, in 2012. Our next guest came on board shortly thereafter to reposition the brand for a changing retail landscape and to offer better support to the users, the vast majority of whom had never brewed beer before. Mr. Beer is by far the top-selling home-brewing kit in the country and has also introduced thousands of hobbyists to the joy of beer brewing. Welcome to the Beer Hour, Robert Lewis. How are you doing? Good. How about yourself? Not too bad. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today. And uh, thank you for coming on the show. Um, I guess we should probably start from the ground up and, and explain to if you could explain to everybody what exactly Mr. Beer is. I would say for most people that are in the beer industry, they call Mr. Beer is, or the home brewing industry. Mr. Beer is the gateway drug into home brewing. Yes. Um, we, 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 yeah. we hear that a lot, but I mean, basically we're, we're a home brewing company, but we're, we're based in hot malt extract. So it's kind of a simplified form of home brewing. And I think, uh, while it does have its drawbacks, some of the, the pros to that are, it's, you know, simple for beginners for someone who knows nothing they're doing and it gets the basic foundation down. Correct. Um, yep. you know, it helps them kind of get the key process of like sanitizing and doing the things they need to do and really even see if they're interested in the hobby before they go and expand to doing, you know, everything you can do after that. So basically, I mean, if I remember correctly, because I got my first kit 16 years ago, um, it is a large 
hardened plastic replica of what would be a wooden barrel? Yeah, yeah. So we, we use our basic, we've actually used the same basic fermenter since the early 2000s now. So it's like a little brown keg. I don't know if that's what you started with yep. or not. Yes, yes, I did. Yep. Yeah, so, so we've made some modifications, but they were basically, yeah, it's a little brown fermenter. Uh, in the kit, you get a can of hot malt extract, which is basically like condensed down wort, um, you know, mixed with water, pitch your yeast, and you're good to go. And it takes like, you know, brewing our standard stuff, it takes like 30 minutes of your time to kind of right. whip it up and get it going. <laughs> and then, and then you kind of let it do its thing and then you bottle it and then you see how it tastes. And, and we've, you know, come to also evolve over the year. Where we're trying to really educate brewers and work them through the process. Cause we have a lot of people like that will go in and evolve. So we've started with those basic kits and then we've kind of got some partial mash and some other recipes going on and stuff oh, like that awesome. now as well. That is awesome. So when did you join Cooper's uh, DIY and start working on Mr. Beer? Yeah, so I started working here uh, early 2013. Um, so I've been here for quite a while now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an awesome company. I did start out doing customer service and brewing and stuff like that. Kind of how I got my foundation. I was never a home brewer before I joined. I was just right. like, oh, it sounds like a cool job, so I'm going to go work there. And, you know, you get to brew beer and drink beer. I mean, what more do you want out of a job where you can, <laughs> well, as you know, where you can of brew course. beer and drink beer all day? Of course. Of <laughs> course. What would you say, if you could come off the top of your head, how many Mr. Beer kits do you think you have sold over the years out of the company? Over, like, the years? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I bet we'd be pushing, I can't even say, I mean, we do tens and tens and tens and tens of thousands a year. Um, I mean, I, I would say since its inception, I'm sure it's north of a couple million kits. I mean, wow. since its inception, we've moved because we used to be, you know, back in, I think one unique thing about us is we we're the first company to kind of in this space and really the only one. So that pushes into mass retail. Right. So back in, you know, 2009, 10, you know, you could find us in Bed Bath & Beyond, Target, yep. you know, Macy's, yep. Walmart, Kohl's, JCPenney, Sears, Kmart. I mean, we were everywhere. And so we would move a lot of kits through there. And as you know, retail has shifted, we've done more e-commerce, but we still do have that presence, you know, like we're at target stores this year, um, oh, wow. some stuff like that, where you kind of reach people that normally wouldn't know home brewing is even a thing when you just get that from like, Oh, that's cool. And they just grab it for you know their husband or whatever. Are you guys based only in the U S or do you also ship internationally? Uh, so just Mr. Beer is based in the U S we do some business in Canada. Um, as far as like our company as a whole, um, we manage uh, U.S. and North America for Coopers. So we do a lot of Coopers products in Canada because people are brewing up there, you know, for tax purposes because they tax the hell out of their beer. So it's cheaper to homebrew up there than it is to just buy, you know, 30 pack from the store or whatever they're getting. I'm going to actually read a few lines here from the 2021 Coopers annual report and see how we go. Total sales for Mr. Beer rose 14.6% over the year on the back of surging online orders and new retail listings. Targeted marketing strategies and e-commerce initiatives helped facilitate the sales. Is that all pushed by you? Yeah, so I handle all of our sales and marketing, yeah. So I do everything that involves sales and marketing runs through my desk. So it's uh, we've done a lot over the years. We've changed a lot. I mean, we've put in a lot of, uh, you know, I think one thing is we kind of fell behind. We weren't really being like a modern company as the retail is the, you know, just the environment shifted. Um, and we've really got focused on that where it's, you know, we're everything we do is about simplicity, being clean, being modern. Um, and we're big focus on like our customers and our customer service. I mean, we have real brew masters that you can call Monday through Friday and talk to on the phone. If you got questions, we chat tickets. I mean, not a lot of companies do that anymore. So you actually, um, do, you, do you actually, wait, do you actually have a physical person you can talk to and not a robot on the phone? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we, yeah, yeah. So we, we have uh, two people here, uh, Zach and Ashley, I think collectively they've been home brewing for like 40 years together. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Their, their experience together. So they have a lot of knowledge in home brewing oh. and we have a Facebook group where they can interact with us in like real time, but you can call I mean, place orders on the phone. You can talk to them, ask questions. They'll create custom recipes for people that call and like, Hey, I'd like, I like this beer, but you don't offer it. And they're like, Oh, but you, get these ingredients, you can get pretty close to that. We've been trying to clone some popular recipes and stuff like out here. You don't get anything from a uh, yinglings. Like we did a clone of their traditional beer and then we cloned their, uh, was that that Hershey's chocolate Porter? Oh I've yes. never had it. Yeah. yeah. So, but, but we cloned it and they're like, yeah, that's pretty damn close. So people that brew back East, let us know like, Oh, you guys are pretty spot on with that one. That's awesome, man. I mean, uh, I think if you wanted some real comedy, I would, I would see if you could tap like, 
owners of breweries that were like myself and actually have them as your customer service, that would be probably pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and we tried to do like, we did a collaboration. I don't know. Is, uh, we've done some collaboration in the past with like Funky Buddha and some other places like that. Where right. it's kind of like that started with Mr. Beer and we'll do a collaboration recipe. And then we've kind of, we, we moved away from that for the time being as we've been shifting to other things. But now we're getting back into like recipe creation. You know, we got all this stuff cleaned up and we're just, trying to just create as many possible recipes and beers for our customers to try. So, I mean, since we are on the business channel, what was the secret to you coaxing double digit growth out of a 27 year old product line? One is being relevant in the e-commerce space, but also, I mean, you know, I think a big e-commerce thing is everyone expects things like Amazon or like Walmart, like, Hey, you're gonna get this in two days. It's going to be cool. You're going to use it. But what we tried to do is go counter to that, where we're trying to create an experience. We're trying to do, unique things that no one else is doing. And we really focus on our customers. We do things like handwritten thank you letters. We'll, you know, send them cards for their birthdays and do all kinds of unique things that these big companies won't do. So we're trying to create this customer loyalty experience where people, if they talk about Mr. Beer, all they're going to say is good things. Even if their beer was shitty, they're like, Oh, that beer was terrible. <laughs> but that, but that company was awesome to deal with. Man, right. they answered my questions. They did this, they did that. So they'd recommend it to somebody else. So all we try to do is just be, just take care of our customers, what we do. And I think our customer service is better than I know any home brewing company in the industry. I'll say that. And I think I'd put it up against most other companies as well. Do you think you saw a spike during the pandemic because people obviously being at home and maybe wanting to learn a new hot trait, a new, you know, have a new hobby. Do you think that kind of led into that, that growth as well? Or or you just think that was just this part of the the overall growth? I think that was hard. I mean, yeah, well, we were growing before that pretty consistently, but last year was really, uh, I mean, a, a big spike that no one saw coming. We did get a huge, in March, I think, because right. everything shut down last year. We had a right. huge spike that we were not expecting where people were looking for something to do because they were just sitting at home doing nothing. And we had a lot of people that were like, oh, I've had this kit in my garage for like a year. And they busted out, brew it, and come, you know, ask questions and order things. So <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely a big spike. So now it's been trying to maintain that momentum, you know, keep those customers engaged with, with you know, active, you know, uh, promotion emails, workflows, social media. I mean, doing all that stuff, just trying to keep these people engaged. Because, I mean, as you know, home brewing, unless you're super passionate about it, life gets busy. You got kids, you start a new job, you do this and that. That's the first thing to go out the window. You're like, nah. I don't got time to brew that batch this week. I got oh, you know, yeah. a kid's soccer game or whatever going I know, on. So. I, know that deal. <laughs> yeah. I know that deal. So you guys actually have 13 different beers by count for your home brewing kits. Out of yeah. those 13, which ones, give me your top five that sell the best. Uh, Gold Nail by far. Uh, that was a new one we came out with like two years ago. Uh, American Lager, just because it's a classic, you know, but you know, Budweiser, Bud Light style. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, to everyone is like, oh, that's cool. Uh, Long Play IPA is a good one. And then the last two, we have a bonus kit that kind of has a variety. So it has an Oktoberfest and a Canadian Blonde, which offers kind of two different spectrums that does well for people that want to try different things um, and do different things. But usually it's our Gold Nail Lager and that Long Play IPA, which is kind of more of like a session. So it's a little lighter, uh, not as hoppy. How often do you guys introduce a new recipe and, and what is kind of like the process behind introducing a new recipe? Yeah. So it, it's a variety of things. I mean, usually we try and do two or three recipes a month. Um, so I think we're sitting at 130 recipes right now on the website. Holy smokes. Okay. Um, and, and, and yeah, and we're either looking for, so we have like our base refills, which is like the can you get in your kit and that's like 16 base styles. And then from there we got 130 recipes that, either base off those or include like LME and some grains and hops and some of that. Um, but yeah, it depends on either what's trending in the market. So like, Oh, someone tried this beer and it's really good. And we'll, we'll brew it and see if we like it or it's a gap that we're missing. We're like, Hey, I only got two pale ales. Maybe we could try to formulate something different for like a new pale ale style. Um, and then we've also been kind of running some limited release recipes where we'll purchase like some hops that we normally don't carry from like we did uh, South African hops and, Right. I mean, that, that was actually, that was actually going to be one of my questions is like, how do you guys keep up with obviously this ever changing hop market or mm. the beer market, you know, like hazy beers and, and fruited sours? I mean, I would say that might be a next step for a Mr. Beer kit, but I'm saying like definitely with the hops. I mean, do you guys, obviously you guys are keeping up with like 
there's always new hops every single year dropping that people are going to obviously yeah. want to experiment with at home. I mean, do you have a team or somebody that actually sits there and actually dives into this every year? So it, it depends. I mean, so we kind of have like a baseline of hops that we always carry, you know, Centennial, Cascade, Saws, Citrus, some of them. So we always got those. The go-to. And what we'll do is, we, yeah, your go-to. So those, those are we always carry year-round. And then what we'll do is based on either what our customers are asking for or, you know, people are in the office are just total beer nerds. Like, hey, I read about this hop. Can we see if we can get this one? And we'll try and source some and do a, you know, do some experimenting and try and do a limited release recipe and stuff like that. So we try to be as, you know, on trend as we can. Right. Um, and, and also, I mean, what's different about us is like you said, we do bring in a lot of new people. And if, you know, and, and, and the, the, the sad thing with business is business about if they're really hardcore home brewers, eventually they are just going to leave what we do because right. we just don't offer that full spectrum that some of these other companies do or even their local homebrew shop would offer. So we try to stay as trendy and, as we possibly can, but just within the, the scope of what we still kind of remaining true to what we do. I mean, I, I think that, uh, I mean, I think it could swing both ways because, I mean, you get your hardcore guys. You're also talking about a massive time difference between what it takes to brew a beer on your system versus probably putting in a full eight hour, nine hour day brewing a beer. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is, and a lot of people nowadays don't have that kind of time. You know what I mean? And I think the convenience of being able to do it in a much shorter time frame, maybe, yeah, it doesn't cover all the spectrums of, hazy or fruited sour or you know hey we're gonna we want to do a mixed culture fermentation it may not cover that but i think the convenience of being able to knock it out in such a shorter time you're still obviously running sanitation but you know you're not graining out you're not (laughs) there's so many other aspects that you take away and just that add up hours upon hours no unless you really want to dive into that but i think it's a great thing to be able to do in such a short amount of time and still have a good product. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, you're, you're hundred percent right. And that's one of our, our big sticking points to this day's time. And people are busy, you know, sometimes they don't got time to spend six hours on the weekend doing yeah. all that, but they got an hour, they can like whip up a batch. And that's one thing about like our recipes where we've been evolving, where we do, you know, we do have some sours and, you know, we do have additional ingredients for like, what we'll do is we'll provide all the base ingredients. Say, Hey, you guys go to the grocery store and buy some strawberries and we'll tell you how to use it in your batch and do stuff like that. So we've really, over the last two years expanded how advanced some of our recipes are getting. And like I said, recently we launched some kind of longer boil kits for using, you know, LME and doing grains, some longer hot boils for people that are thinking about dabbling into more of that before they make that move to kind of either all that or moving into all grain altogether. Oh, nice. Nice. That's nice. So one of the funny things that we hear all the time from craft beer brewers that we interview is that they started home brewing to save money on beer. Do you Mm -hmm. think that is a huge sales driver for you guys? I do. It depends on what people are drinking. I mean, if you're a crafter drinker, said, then yeah, you're, you're going to say something. If you're drinking, you know, Coors Light, that's a tough one. To, <laughs> of course you know, not. That's a tough one. Of course not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a tough one is to, to try and save some money on. But like, you know, if, if, if we, when I did a video about this uh, two weeks ago, it was if you're, uh, I think if you're brewing one of our standard cans, it comes out to like a dollar and some change of beer. Oh, wow. Okay. After, yeah, so after your initial kit investment, and you're just brewing like the, just a standard refill. So I just want to brew our Northwest Pale Ale. Right. You know, I'm going to pay a $1.50 a beer. Um, That's cheaper than you're going to pay any, any draft or, or you know, to pick up a four-pack anywhere. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, you think of four-pack of like craft beers. Like we have a, a local brewery here that we drink a lot, uh, Tombstone Brewing. They make really good IPAs. Yep. But you're in a four-pack for 16 to 20 bucks. Exactly. Like, damn. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, so they will save a little bit of money. I mean, obviously they're going to have to do a little more cleaning and uh, <laughs> a few yeah. more details, but you know, I mean, it might be worth their time. So no, yeah, I've heard and seen that you actually started a YouTube, like a YouTube channel and a blog two years ago. What was the purpose behind that? And what has been the response from your customers? Yeah. So the purpose behind the, when we did the, the YouTube channel was, um, we call it brew talk with Mr. Beer. One is I'm a better speaker than I am a writer. Uh, it's easier for me just to talk about something than it is to like write. And you ask anybody in the office and everything I do gets spell checked because that's just not, no, that's I, not my thing. If, I understand. If that. word doesn't catch it, if word's not catch it, then I'm not catching it either. Um, so, so it's just easier for me to talk about things and do things. There's a way to help educate our customers and, and move them along and turn out some content that's available, not just for our customers, but also for 
homebrewers in general. So I mean, some of our videos, we've done some on like, you know, how to like cold crash your homebrew and stuff like that. They're getting 13, 15, 16,000 views now since we put them up. So our YouTube channel has grown dramatically over the year. I mean, I think we've doubled it in like two years. So customers really seem to enjoy that. Um, enjoying the content and just trying to keep it fresh. And I've done a video, I think I'm at 137 videos now. So wow. I've done one every week for the last 137 weeks. Even <laughs> during the shut and even even during the shutdowns, if you go way back, I'll still in my backyard and all kinds of stuff like That's that. Amazing. So we just gotta we, we gotta keep it going. We can't stop now. Right. No, I understand that. I mean, but honestly I think that's a great addition because I mean no I mean anything. I mean I'll I, I am I, I can cop to it. I mean playing video games if you want like the in on how to do these things or, you know, any kind of whether you're woodworking or learning how to play a guitar or working with a Mr. Beer kit, any kind of thing that can give you that extra help on to fully understand mm-hmm. what you're doing to better understand yeah. that and get a better grasp of that to help you kind of ease into that new, you know, trait, new hobby, I think is, is an awesome thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. No, I think even from like, like, like a marketing concept from like the business perspective, I mean, everything's moving on to video and away from yep. content. So yep. the more video content you can get. And you even look at like some Google search results. When you search a question, they'll serve you up the section of video where they answer that question. So you're like, it's getting very advanced now. And people that are, are still waiting to make that turn in the video, they're trying to come with it. Right. You just got to roll with it. Cause like, I'll go back and watch my first few videos. I'm like, man, that was terrible. I'll do like <laughs> Facebook lives and just stand there. Like we're going to wait for some people to join and you know, oh just gosh. hanging out. And like, yeah, it was just like, not, not good. So, well, I mean, I'm sure now it's, it's top, top notch for sure. Yeah. You're listening to the beer hour and we are speaking to Robert Lewis of Mr. Beer Kit. So for 3196, Anyone can purchase one of these kits and discover the joy of homebrewing. Some will do it once and laugh about the experience for years. Some people like me will fall in love with the challenge and upgrade to a much more expensive setup, a very, you know, a lot more expensive. And a few will someday become <laughs> professional brewers. In each case, Mr. Beer has provided a gateway to the mysterious world of brewing. That must make your job pretty rewarding. I mean, as far as I see it, what do you love about your job? Yeah. Um, I love hearing from our customers, man. I mean, we, you know, we have a, a Facebook group for Mr. Beer Brewers. There's like almost 3000 people in there. We hear nice. from them daily, you know, some of them, the, the beers they're creating when they brew something the first time and it sucks and they try it again. They're like, Holy cow, that's so good. Um, you know, and then they share it with their friends and family and they love it. I mean, I think it's just that people get real passionate about it and they share it and their friends and family talk about it. And that's one thing I did, uh, a blog post on this. So for my wedding, I got married eight, nine years ago and I brewed like 15 gallons of beer and put it on tap. Wow. And instead of everyone congratulating us on the wedding, everyone talked about the beer. That's Even amazing. in the videos, there's videos like, what do you have to say to the bride and groom? They're like, Oh, the Pilsner, it's great. I love it. And you're like, that's, <laughs> it's not, it's not what you're supposed to say. So I think it's just like, I mean, it was through home brewing and no matter what they are, I think there's a, there's a good if you're making beer, there's a community there, there's an yes. acceptance there. Yes, absolutely. People get along, they share. It's, it's a really cool thing to see. Um, it's a very close-knit community. You know, we, we care about our customers and we love just seeing them make amazing beer, just brag about it and share it with their friends and family. That's really cool to see. Absolutely. I mean, um, I think the three beers that I made actually turned out pretty good. And then, of course, when I converted... That first beer I made was horrible on the new homebrew kit. <laughs> so <laughs> I probably should have stuck with Mr. Beer for a little bit longer to kind of fine tune all that. <laughs> so it goes without saying that Mr. Beer would make a great holiday gift to many of our listeners who have yet to try their hand at homebrewing. How can yeah. our listeners find your product? Yeah, so if they want to look for uh, Mr. Beer, the, the first place would be mrbeer.com. Uh, you can get your beer kits from there. We offer free shipping. I got a 10% off coupon code, the beer hour, all lowercase, put that in. You get 10% off your order. Okay. Um, so that way you can cruise there. You can get it off Amazon. So if you're in a pinch, you want to get a kit uh, from Amazon, you can do that. And we're also in uh, Target stores this year. So like your local Target, we should be there. Uh, online pickup, get it in stores. It's a hot deal in there. So if you're looking just for to save some cash, I definitely check out Target. All right. All right. And then what is the YouTube channel that these people can also dive into for more DIY help from you yourself? Yeah, we're just at Mr. Beer. So follow us on YouTube. We're at Mr. Beer. Uh, we're most active on uh, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We're just at Mr. Beer on all those channels. And if you're curious just about 
kind of what our community is about, you can join our Facebook group. We call it uh, Mr. Beer's Brewing Society. Nice. We do have a screening process. You just answer three questions. So we ask if you're a home brewer, if you're not, just say, nope, but I'm interested in learning. We'll let you in. You can see what other people are posting, talking about, sharing, um, all kinds of stuff like that. And it's a great way to learn. We got a lot of resources in there. Um, and just a lot of experienced brewers that I mean a lot of people that have brewed with Mr. Beer left and then, you know, they got older or things happened. They couldn't quite do what they used to do. So they came back to Mr. Beer and are sharing their knowledge as well, which is really cool. I really love the idea of the open community that you guys have and being welcoming and accepting new people and, you know, the people that have been around for a long time, you know, kind of helping those newcomers get up to those new levels. You know what I mean? I mean, and and who knows? I mean, uh, maybe some of these listeners that buy into the uh, Mr. Beer kit from the beer hour might become a professional brewer. I mean, we never know. I mean, here's the other thing. When are we going to do a Jay Wakefield uh, beer clone? <laughs> let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Cause I was reading your, well, it's a hard, it, so that's a hard thing for, for we, as we tried to look around and like, where can we find all these breweries? I started with Mr. Beer. It's just so much. And there's what 8,000 craft breweries in the right. country. Right. And there's so many, but I mean, we are always looking for partnership opportunities and we would, I was reading about you guys. You'd like to make some cool beers. Um, and we could clone something. Like I said, or we could work together. And hey, we make a, uh, be, uh, we make a great, English style smoke porter that I think would be great for a Mr. Beer kit. Yeah, not a twelve percent awesome. imperial no. style. Not right? yet, not yet. I mean, that could be down the road, but I think you know you start with a uh, with a English style smoke porter for sure. Yeah, well, we could totally do that. Like I said, we're we're looking at doing limited release recipes and all these one off things we've been doing. So we do source. We had a we used to have one smoke one with uh, we used some peated malt, but it sold out. So I haven't brought it back yet, but we can reintroduce. <laughs> well, it's one. not peated; it's actually Roush malt, so it's. Ooh. It's a little less smoky, so a little easier to get a hold of. So I think it, it would probably work. And if I think if you tapped into like any customer service, I think you would just have them like get a hold of Maria. She'd be able to answer all the No, no, no. Forward yeah. it. I didn't start on a Mr. <laughs> beer kit. Yeah. Yeah. I, I started any, any, on. Any uh, brewing uh, questions you might have no in regard to the kits? Uh, no, I started, I started home brewing on all grain that John taught me. So, so I have no I'll Mr. Sure put your, so we, we, we do promotion emails. So I'll put your email as the response. To exactly. Your exactly. And exactly. And all that. I'll make sure to give you John's email. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much, man. I, I, I really appreciate the time. And this has been, you know, a great episode. Obviously, it brings back a lot of memories for me. And I, I know it's uh Hopefully, it'll bring a lot of memories to those listening that actually buy in and get a Mr. Beer kit for the holidays. So The beer hour. Yes. Thank you very much. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for sharing the word of Mr. Beer and giving us a little support because sometimes in the homebrewing space, we're a little frowned upon. So nah. we, always appreciate, nah. we always appreciate the support where we can get it. You know? Absolutely. Hey, you got to start somewhere. So That's right. You know, that's the way it goes. Well, thank you again very yeah. much and have a good day. You too. And that's it for this week. I'd like to thank our guests, Mark Hunger and Robert Lewis, my co-host, Maria Cabre, and my producer, Rocco Riggio. Thanks for listening. You can catch us each Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Business Radio 132. Replays are on Saturdays at 8 p.m. and Sundays at 1 p.m. or anytime on Sirius XM app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, people, the thirst is real.